0: Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubinstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubinstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubinstein.
1: Welcome to New Reflections. We've got a good show for you this week. We've done a number of shows in the past on breast augmentation and different breast procedures, and we've even done shows on breast implants themselves. But well, This week, we have a particularly interesting show. For the first time in a really long time, women have choices. That's right. For the longest time, there's been only a couple of options when it comes to breast implants in the United States. And we're going to talk a little bit about the history of breast implants in the United States. And now we're going to have two guests on this show. That will be telling us about new options that you've got if you're thinking about having a breast augmentation. This week's show is called In With The New, breast implants that is, and we're talking about new breast implants with two guests. Dr. Robert Hamas. Dr. Hamas is a board-certified plastic surgeon practicing in Texas. He also is uh, the founder of a company called the Ideal Implant. And they're going to be uh, we're going to be talking about the Ideal Implant products and how they are different and what's new about them. We're also going to be welcoming to the show uh, Hanny Zini, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Sientra, who also brings to the market recently new FDA-approved silicone gel implants that are new and exciting and, and offer a lot of things that we haven't had before. Between these two implants, the world really you think about it, the world of Breast implantation has just doubled in its options. Up until now, there's only been two companies that have offered implants, and their products are pretty similar. There's subtle differences between them. There may be some surgeons prefer one over the other, but the the truth is that most of the implants that we've had up until very recently have been basically the same product made by two different manufacturers with some very subtle differences. It's sort of like a Coke and Pepsi thing, and now we have new options that are really different. And we'll, we'll talk about those differences. Let's talk a little bit about the history of breast augmentation. A little tidbit, we've mentioned this on the show before, but it's an interesting story, so I'm going to mention it again. The very first breast augmentation that was ever done was done in 1895. It's the first one that has ever been recorded. And in 1895, there was a surgeon named Vincenzo Cherney. And Dr. Cherney had a pretty smart idea. Dr. Cherney had a patient with a lipoma, which is a, a fatty tumor, a benign fatty tumor that was growing, I think it was on the patient's back. And what Dr. Cherney did was remove that lipoma, which is sort of a mound of fat, and he used it as a breast implant on the same patient. basically a big fat graft. Now, fat grafting has come a long way since Dr. Cherney, and we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But that was the very first breast augmentation, was using the patient's own fat. And since that point, lots of different things had been tried. People have tried all sorts of materials. Uh, ivory, actually carved ivory implants, if you can imagine. People tried glass balls, uh, balls of rubber, foam sponges. Uh, and there are a certain type of tape. That was rolled onto itself and made into a ball of stuff called polystan. There's a lot of crazy things in the history of breast augmentation and breast implants until one day in 1962, uh, doctors Cronin and Giroux in Texas, as a matter of fact, tried the very first silicone-filled breast implant. It was made by Dow Corning. And, uh, there's an interesting show. If you haven't seen it, it it's partly true. There's some, they took some license with the actual story. But uh, it's an interesting show to watch, a show called Breast Men. Breast Men is an HBO special that talks about the story of uh Tom Cronin and Frank Giroux, who were the uh, originators of breast augmentation in the United States and the very first breast implants ever placed. Now, up until fairly recently, as I was just saying, we have only two companies, or we had only two companies we could choose from and that is uh, Allergan and Mentor and uh they their products are essentially the same products in different packaging. Uh there are some differences, but it's always been a certain selection of round uh implants that are saline filled or silicone filled and we also can use smooth or textured implants. Now don't get me wrong, there's a wide variety of these implants in all different sizes and different shapes but they 're all a round shape, and they have various projections. some are filled with saline, and some are filled with silicone and The dimensions are a little bit different for each company and each style of implant so you know, there 's a huge variety of implants that we have to choose from it 's not as though we 've been limited, but the, the type of implant that we 've had to use has been really the same for many years. You know These implants and the modern implants really started development probably. Uh, I, probably around uh, the early 70s when the, they became commercially more popular. And then getting up into uh, the early 90s, there was a, a ban on silicone implants for breast augmentation by the FDA. And, you know, that was uh, really done with no scientific evidence. And since then, I think it was 2006, uh, late 2006, early 2007, that the silicone implants were once again released for general use, and that was after years and years of studying them and and determining that there really was no uh, causal relationship, there's no risk to using silicone implants that it was accused of, and since then, there has been development, and of course, in recent years, we have two newcomers. Let's introduce our first guest, and let's talk about this new implant, and maybe it is the ideal implant. I want to welcome to the show Dr. Robert Hamas. Dr.
2: Hamas, welcome to New Reflections. Thank you. It's nice to be on board. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Bob, having you come on the show, and you've been uh, very patient in our scheduling and, and very accommodating. I really do appreciate you giving us your Saturday morning. Uh, tell us, why, why the ideal implant? What made you get involved with wanting to make a new implant?
2: Well, I listen to patients. Uh, you mentioned the uh, issue when gel implants were taken off the market for a number of years, and I, I listened to many of my uh, patients in my own uh, private practice who were very, very concerned about the rupture of silicone gel uh, in their body and uh, we're extremely concerned about the at that time the uh, systemic health risks meaning diseases such as uh, arthritis and so forth which have fortunately since been disproven as not caused by um, implants and also uh, the local problems, a little uh, leaking of silicone that may cause a lump in their breast and be a concern about should they get a biopsy. And I noticed that women were just uncomfortable with that idea, and, and I sought to see if there wasn't a way uh, to make a saline-filled implant, which everybody felt was very safe, uh, into, into something that would be natural feeling uh, and meet the women's needs. And, that, and that's uh, what made me just look for some solution to that, that very difficult problem.
1: Well, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit because, you know, you raise an interesting point that not a lot of people know. There are a lot of uh, shops, or chop shops, for lack of a better way to describe it, just perhaps less than desirable clinics uh, where they're advertising incredibly low prices and it's always saline implants. And you know, it is very attractive. People get lured in at very low prices, and it, you know, why should they pay twice the price to a board-certified plastic surgeon when they can go to the local medispa and you know, pay half and seemingly get the same product and the same uh, operation? And it's always a saline implant. Now, we're going to talk about the problem of the spas and whatnot. Now, let's, let's get into the saline implants as compared to silicone just briefly. In the years where we didn't have silicone implants for breast augmentation, everybody was using saline. And you raise a very important point about that. The point is, the feel of saline implants has not been really comparable to silicone. Silicone has, at least in in my opinion, I think an opinion of a a lot of our colleagues, a more natural feel, and it looks a little more natural, the way it flows in the body and, and just really looks more like a real breast. So not being able to use silicone... Presented that problem with patients who might be dissatisfied with their results in, in the feel and the look of their breasts. And I guess that's what you're talking about when you're uh, when you're talking about the problems with using uh, you know saline implants and having dissatisfied patients. So, right. th- So the feel is something that you're trying to make better with the ideal implant.
2: Right. Silicone right. gel has a certain viscosity to it. Uh, it's a it's a more thick. Uh, material uh, you know imagine uh, grape jelly in your refrigerator and you squeeze that and feel that that's going to feel different than uh, you know a b- bottle of water in your in your refrigerator and so um, the, the difference in that feel and viscosity is transmitted to a patient when it's in their body and you can put a saline implant uh, or a silicone gel implant under the chest muscles and and improve that. Uh, You can imagine putting some pressure against it keeps it from sloshing or bouncing so much, but there's differences, and the way it fits the ribs and the way it contours and the way it responds to body movements is not as good for the current saline implant as it is for the current gel implant. You can think of the saline implant as a balloon filled with saline and the other is a balloon filled with a more gelatinous material. And so what we were trying to do was ask the question, could you make a balloon filled with saline in such a way that it would feel like a balloon filled with the gelatinous material?
1: Yeah, and there's no question about uh, patients' comfort level, especially back in in the 90s, of silicone versus saline, is when the scare was there, everybody was nervous about silicone. And as you mentioned, that's really been disproven in terms of risk factor. But there's still a lot of
2: patients out there that, that don't feel comfortable with silicone. Yeah, and I think the, the main thing that bothers women, or many women, not all women, but many, many women, is the fact that the silicone gel implant could be ruptured in their body without them knowing it. It's just a... Uh, um, and more than the health risk, it's something psychological that just makes them uh, uncomfortable. Uh, they don't have that peace of mind because if if it's broken in their body, they want to know that. And with a, a silicone Im- gel implants, it's hard to detect that. You, you probably need an MRI exam uh, to show that. A normal mammogram uh, doesn't doesn't detect it, and that that seems to make women uncomfortable. And and that's what we're finding is. Um, something that bothers women quite a bit and, and is addressed because if it's a saline-filled implant, the saline comes out, it's IV fluid, it's absorbed by the body, and then the woman knows herself, doesn't need any special test.
1: Yeah, well, that's true, and I, I always tell my patients it's a double-edged sword. You know, the nice thing uh, with the modern implants, and we're going to talk about this more when we uh, get to our next segment about the Sientra implants, is that you know these implants break, the good thing is that they stay looking the way they did. They don't really change their shape, or you don't, your breast doesn't get deformed or flat. Right. So it's nice; you keep looking good. But you know, you know the, the flip side of that is you might not know they're broken. So you're right. Uh, if you think you might have a broken implant, you probably should get an MRI to make sure that the shell is intact. Now, it takes a lot of force to break these implants, but it's going to happen in a certain number of cases. And the latest data shows pretty low rupture rates, but there's still ruptures. And the the patients that have them uh, can get pretty nervous about it, but the truth is that other than a little bit of local inflammation and maybe some uh, little scar tissue forming in the area if there's some exposed internal silicone gel, there's really not much of a health risk uh, that's been shown, but it can be very bothersome. And the difference with the saline, of course, is if you pop a hole in a saline, it's like having a flat tire. It just deflates and it gets absorbed, and, and you know, and you know right away. you over, know, over a pretty short period of time, you'll see the difference in the breast. And so I can see your, your idea of, of having the, the preference for the saline implant, especially if it was born out of the you know, years in the 90s when, that's yeah, all we had. And, and tell us what I want to know, what's different? How have you built the Better Mousetrap? How did you make the new implant feel like a silicone implant, or more like a silicone implant, while still using saline. We're going to have to do that when we come back from a short commercial break. I'm going to take a little break. We'll come back and say, what makes the Ideal Implant ideal? We'll be back after these brief messages with more on the Ideal Implant and more new implants here on New Reflections.
0: Your life, your health your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness.
3: Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein.
2: People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry.
3: My doctor is Adam Rubenstein.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, board-certified plastic surgeon, and your host here on New Reflections. Was speaking with Dr. Robert Hamas, who is a board-certified plastic surgeon and founder of a company called Ideal Implant. We're just talking about the limitations that we've had with saline implants and about to get into what makes the Ideal Implant ideal. So, Dr. Hamas, tell me what's different about the design of this saline implant that uh, you guys have at Ideal?
2: Well, the, the implant is made by having several implant shells, or you might think of them as the balloons, um, nested inside each other. And what that does is it seems to keep the edges of the implant flatter and smoother and changes the way it feels dramatically. So if you bounce it or drop it, for instance, uh, it acts very much the way a silicone gel implant does, uh, whereas a single um Lumen saline implant, the type we have today, would would tend to bounce and jiggle. And the other thing is it's got two separate volumes within it. So if one volume would uh, deflate, uh, the the person's breast doesn't uh, go away completely. There's still some volume to it. Um, The materials are the same as used in current implants. uh, So there's no new materials, and there's only saline inside. But it's that internal structure, the nesting or layering of these shells, which makes it feel completely different than the current saline implant
1: oh, pretty neat idea I basically like uh, layers like an onion with fluid in between now can the fluid move between the chambers or are they completely separate
2: the, the two separate uh, the, excuse me the two chambers are completely separate, but the fluid moves within the layers, much like fluid moves in a waterbed there's uh, a structure there called a baffle, which is a controls the movement of the fluid. So it's not uncontrolled, it's
1: controlled. And so theres it sounds like there's a little bit more resistance, so it's going to feel more like the viscosity of, of silicone. It'll feel like a thicker fluid because it, as you push around the fluid inside those chambers, it doesn't flow freely, so it, it feels a little bit more firm.
2: Exactly. You've created viscosity of the saline. Going back to our example we talked about earlier, you've made it feel thicker because it can't just slosh around
1: uncontrolled. It has to move between all these various layers. That's pretty neat. Now, just to be clear, we are talking about a saline-filled implant. However, the outer material, the shell itself and and, uh, the internal parts, the shell inside as well, that is all a silicone polymer, which is what all implants are made of. So it's not as though this is silicone-free, uh, but, it, you know, much like all the other saline implants that we've been using for many decades, the outer shell is silicone. And there's, there's no difference um, with the ideal implant in terms of, as you said, the material is the same. So it's what we've been using for many, many years, and we, we know that it's safe. Correct. Now, uh, we were speaking a little bit of, uh, during the break about the FDA approval, and you have submitted for FDA approval and just waiting for them to give you the, the thumbs up.
2: Yes, uh, for approval from FDA, uh, all companies uh, have to do preclinical testing of their product for mechanical aspects of it, chemistry and toxicology, and prove that it's safe to be put in the human body. And then you have to do a clinical trial showing that it's been used in a certain number of patients. In our trial, it was 500 women in the United States for cosmetic breast enlargement, breast augmentation. Uh, And then those women are followed for a certain number of years. Um, We have two years of follow-up and a very, very high follow-up rate of uh, 94% of the women who entered the trial are still in it, uh, which uh, provides very good data and information for the Food and Drug Administration to review and uh, uh, hopefully will give us our approval here in the next few months.
1: Well, that would be exciting. It would be nice to have another option. Now, uh, what I understand, uh, having spoken to you about this before, is that you're not going to be able to go to just, you know, any plastic surgeon to get an ideal implant. You guys are selecting various surgeons in in different markets to begin to roll out the product.
2: Yes. uh, First of all, we are only going to sell to plastic surgeons who are board certified or have completed their training and are eligible to take their boards. We feel strongly that this will provide the patients uh, a good early experience with the implant, uh, especially the first uh, uh, users of it, and also uh, we're limiting the number of plastic surgeons in the United States that will have it available uh, to only about five percent uh, so there's about five thousand plastic surgeons in the United States who are board certified and there'll be about two hundred and fifty will have it available to them and this corresponds with our manufacturing capacity and, and our plan to um, you know slowly grow the uh, the use and availability of this implant.
1: What's the projected cost? And when this becomes available and the FDA says it's all a go, what is is a a set of ideal implants going to cost a patient?
2: Well, we haven't finalized that exactly, but it very likely will cost at least as much as the current silicone gel implants and probably a little bit more. Uh, The patients will pay a bit more to their surgeon uh, for his expertise in handling this as well as a slightly more costly implant.
1: Sure, okay. Uh, but, of course, the benefit would be having the latest and greatest, and if you have a, a fear or any hesitation of silicone implants, then this may be uh, really superior to the, current, uh, the currently available saline implants out there.
2: Well, it, it gives, our thought is that it gives women um, you know, the, the natural result they desire and so forth, but also gives them the added value and benefit of a peace of mind.
1: Well, I think it's definitely something that women will look forward to having as a choice. Uh, and for those that feel comfortable with silicone, I want to bring on my next guest. And Dr. Hamas, if you'll stay with us, we can have a nice discussion as we go. Uh, I want to introduce uh, Hanni Zaini, who is the founder and CEO of Sientra, who uh, is uh, the company that's producing new silicone gel-filled implants. We'll talk about what's new about them. Uh, Mr. Zaini, welcome to New Reflections.
4: Thank you very much, uh, Adam, and I greatly appreciate the privilege of being with you and Dr. Hamas this morning.
1: Well, it's it's our pleasure to have you. Let's talk about Sientra. You previously were with with uh, Inimed, which, you, you know, to talk a little bit, let the listeners understand, the, uh, the implant company that used to be called McGann was one of the first implant companies in the United States along with uh, Mentor. And then McGann became Inamed, which then became Allergan, which is what it is today. But while in the many years that it was uh, Inamed Aesthetics, you were in, uh, very involved with uh, Inamed, in fact, one of the vice presidents there, as I understand, and uh, in charge of all aesthetics at one point, and, and particularly have intimate, had intimate knowledge and, and continued to have intimate knowledge about breast implants, and at some point decided, hey, you know, this isn't good enough. I want to do something different. And what made you make that step to create Sientra?
4: Uh, I was, I was involved with Inamid Aesthetics. As a matter of fact, I ran Inamid Aesthetics, uh, from the year 2001 until the beginning of 2006 when the company was sold to what now became Allergan Medical. Um, and, uh, during that time, uh, we, I got to understand the dynamics of the market and the relationships that we've had with the, uh, plastic surgeons and the patient. And Sientra was born in late 2006 was founded by a group of us with the notion of providing choice, providing choice to the specialty of plastic surgeons, as well as to the patient, and the notion of doing business in a different way. Uh, As you know, uh, this year, with our approval, we broke the duopoly that had existed for 20 years, so that for 20 years... System moratorium, There will only be two companies and one way of doing business and one device. And our feeling is that there has to be a better way. There must be a better way in, in terms of doing business and providing choice to the patient and the, and the surgeons. And that's what set us off, uh, to, to go ahead and found Cientra, which by the way, when you look at the executive team at Cientra, it's more than 120 to 130 years of experience in breast implants, not just general devices or pharmaceutical. So we are steeped in the heritage of plastic surgery and plastic surgeons. And uh, we decided to set out on making something different and creating a different choice and different option.
1: Well, I think you've done that. Uh, the, the implants that Cientra has now recently uh, received approval on are dramatically different than what we've had. You know, Traditionally, as we talked about at the top of the show, we have only had round implants, whether they're smooth or textured, uh, and that's what's been available in the United States. But with the introduction of Sientra and the FDA approval of their products, we now have new choices in in the world of silicone-filled implants. So tell us what's different about the Sientra lineup of implants.
4: It's, it's truly multidimensional when it comes to the difference. Uh, first of all... The the United States market has been dominated by the round devices, as you just articulated, whether they're smooth or textured. We believe that the patient deserves more options and more choices, and you, the plastic surgeon, deserve more options and more choices. So everyone in the United States has been aiming towards what is known as a shaped device or an anatomical device or a highly cohesive device or a form stable. All of these are marketing jargons that are used, to condition the market we felt strongly that we need to do this in two dimensions. number one we really needed to introduce devices that are made differently so our devices are made with what is termed high strength cohesive silicon gel that is not a Sientra terminology that is not a marketing terminology rather this is how the material the core material that makes an implant that makes a silicone device the gel is characterized in the master file at the FDA by the supplier, which is in the United States in California.
1: All right. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. you know, that, that's one of the big changes that I've seen in the Cientra implants as compared to the Allergan or Mentor products is is the thickness of the gel. And what we're talking about are all the different names people have had, and I agree with you uh, that there has been a lot of jargon and a lot of marketing spin put on the silicone gel. As, as you may remember, uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, the term gummy bear came out, and that was paired up with form stable and, and all this other type of jargon that basically meant an implant that had thicker gel, and the idea being that if you were to cut a wedge out of an implant like a little piece of pie that the silicone gel wouldn't just come pouring out like a saline implant would if you had cut into it, it would just totally deflate and go away that the silicone gel would hold its shape pretty well and not just spill out all over the place. And that name, you know, the form—what whether you call it Form Stable or Gummy Bear, I think the Gummy Bear was a, a single news story that that came out talking about it and it really caught on. The idea that the silicone wouldn't go anywhere. And it was a really uh, attractive thing for patients. I've, I, Dr. Hamas, I don't know about you, but I've had many patients in my office come in and ask specifically about, what about that new gummy bear implant? Have you
2: heard that? Yes. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, it's it's all over the place. And even today, and it's been many years since then, but now with Sientra implants, I think, and I hate to use the term gummy bear because I think it's, it's just disingenuous. It's not really a, a real characterization of the way it behaves. But I gotta say, after playing with the Sientra implants, it's pretty close. You know, when you cut a piece of that Sientra implant out, it, you have a pretty solid looking piece of pie and a pretty solid looking implant left behind. And you can squeeze it, you can play with it, and it snaps back so that the, the cohesivity or the thickness of that silicone gel is definitely noticeably different and thicker than what we've been using up until today.
4: And, that's, and that is true and correct. I cannot uh, condone the marketing terminologies that are used by either uh, uh, the plastic surgeons or or other uh, implant companies to promote that. But the, the, the underlying notion is exactly what you said, and that is the technology advances. And the idea behind the sientra device is that how can we put in your hands the plastic surgeon, a device that allows you to achieve the results and the outcome that you're desiring whether be it by shaping or otherwise without sacrificing the softness that that outcome is desired to be and the way you do that there is a delicate balance what you need to do is you need what Dr. Hamis talked earlier about the viscosity of silicon you need to change that which is a process through cross-linking you need to change that to make it denser more resistant to deformation yet you don't want to make it too firm so you can achieve a shaping objective at sacrificing the natural feel of a breast. And that is the beauty of this Sientra device. Using the different gel than the other two manufacturers, and that gel, by the way, is unique to our device. It's not a, a gel that is available commercially to everybody. It's a very unique gel that is made in the US, in California, that is used on these devices. And these devices, keep in mind, that they have been available outside the United States since 1997. So the technology has been perfected. It has a tremendous record of safety, quality, and satisfaction by both the surgeon and over one and a half million women. And and the, those those uh, material that are used, they're also differentiated between our round devices and our shaped devices. Our shaped devices, the anatomically shaped devices, we've decided to increase the palate available for you as a plastic surgeon. So we're not coming out with one anatomically shaped device, which is what we call the classic shaped, where everybody uh, look at it and it's taller than it's wider, and it's in three dimension. But we also had added to that, where we have devices, shaped, anatomically shaped devices, that are wider than taller and has equal height and width, made with a high-strength silicone gel to provide for this shaping capability and capacity that you're looking for that allows you to retain its shape but without sacrificing the softness or too much of a firmness in the outcome of the of the result.
1: So, so let's talk about this because this is the, the other thing that's really pretty neat about the Sientra offerings and the new implants we have from Sientra is is the shaped implant. And, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, up until now, everything's been round. And uh, with the introduction of the Cientra products, for the first time in the United States, we have FDA-approved implants that have different shapes. And let's talk about the shapes. Just like the gummy bear thing, there was this idea that teardrop would be a great idea. You know, wouldn't it be great to have a teardrop-shaped implant? The idea being that it would be a little bit more projected on the bottom and a little flatter on top, sort of like a real breast and, you know, there are times when that's true. There are, especially in my opinion, I, I think for reconstructive surgery, the shaped implants are uh, possibly better suited uh, to create a more natural looking breast than a round implant. Uh, but you know that that 's a surgeon's preference. The fact is that all we 've had have been round implants, and now not only as you mentioned uh Hanny uh the different style of implants that you 've got not only do you have one shape but you're bringing three different shapes to the table, and then within those shapes, of course, various sizes and projections so there's a, now we 've opened up a whole new world of possibilities and you know when you have a patient that has and, and all breasts of course come in different shapes and sizes uh any plastic surgeon will tell you that no two breasts are exactly the same and there are breasts and i've seen patients where the the breasts are in fact taller than they are wide so you know they're there are a longer breast and a little narrow. Uh, then there are breasts that are kind of short and stout, where the, the breast height is not very high, but they're wide. And, and they have different projections. I mean, people come in different sizes. Breasts come in different sizes. And it's nice to have an option to try and match that for the right patient. And, you know, with, with these offerings, how many different shapes and styles do you have? I know that there's the three different shapes, but then within those, you've got varying projections. So how many different, never mind fill volumes, but how many different styles of implant have you now brought to
4: the table with shape devices? With shape devices, there are three, uh, what we call them, families. So you have a taller than wider, wider than taller, equal height and width. And then within those, we have low projection, moderate projection, and high projection. That is one we talk about operating in three dimension. And, and, I, and I wholeheartedly agree with the statement that you made. It is our biggest opportunity in the market, and it's our biggest challenge. The U.S. market has been operating with a mentality of an either-or. And at Cientra, we believe it's an and. And what I mean by that is not every device is a perfect match for every woman or every desired outcome. And I think we need to start thinking about these devices in that matter. And what is really unique about the shaped anatomical devices is that we have to think the benefit of those is volume distribution. So if you're looking as a plastic surgeon to uh, uh, execute on a plan, that require that you have a differentiated or a differential volume distribution in certain parts of the breast, typically the lower 40%, then the shaped devices can be a great tool. But they are not for everyone and for every desired outcome. And that's why at Sientra we believe in providing a very detailed, very broad portfolio. So we have round devices that are made with high-strength silicone cohesive gel that come with different sizes, but also they come in different dimensions in terms of projection, how low, moderate, and high projection. As well as smooth, wall as textured. And then when we get to the shaped anatomical devices, the same concept. They come with different volume distribution, different widths, but now you're dealing with three dimension, And reconstruction is a sweet spot for that, but also there are, there are specific augmentations that require that kind of device. And the beauty of it is Again, you're getting the high-strength silicone gel, so you're getting those characteristics that you so eloquently described at the beginning, but you're also not sacrificing a firmness because you don't want to get the right shape, but it's so hard, and that's what the Sientra option provides, and we're very gratified to be able to be the very first company to bring that into the United States market, and we take that leadership role and stewardship very, very seriously.
1: Well it's exciting to me as a surgeon, and actually fairly recently I had a need. It was a cosmetic case, and uh, I had a need for a, an unusually shaped breast needing a, an unusually shaped implant, uh, meaning something that wasn't round sure. Sure. because this patient had something had a breast that was pretty short and quite wide, and uh, and we, in fact ended up. Trying out some Sientra implants, and I was very pleased with the, the different dimensional options. It was almost, I got to say, it was almost dizzying to try and figure out which one was going to be the best match because there were so many options to choose from. But Dr. Hamas, I know that the, the ideal implant by design has to be a round implant. What are your thoughts on the shaped implants? Where do you see a role for that?
2: Well, they, they perhaps have a, a role in reconstruction and in certain cosmetic cases, as you have indicated. Um, You know, I've not had personal experience with the uh, shaped implants, so I can't comment based on my own uh, medical practice here in Dallas. But um, I know that some of my colleagues have had good success with them and speak favorably about them under certain circumstances.
1: Yeah, I think there was uh, the the shaped implants. I think it takes, as as, Hanny, as you mentioned before, I think it's going to take a little of a transition period for people to become comfortable using them and understanding what the best applications may be. But it's just pretty darn nice to have them you know be able to have that option to be able to use them and uh, more and more as we learn where we like to use them i think you'll see increased use of of the shaped implants because you know let's face it for 20 or 30 years well it's been more as it's starting from the 70s about 40 years or so all implants have been round and that's all we've ever used in this country so it's going to take a little bit of a Learning curve to decide where it's best to use. And I think we're going to see more implants being used. And patients are very sophisticated. You know, folks listening to this, this program and, and doing their research on the net, they know. They know that this exists now. And they're going to ask about it. And the more people are educated, the more patients come into the office saying, hey doc, you know, what about this? What about that? The more we think about it and, and the more we'll, we'll see it used. Now, you mentioned, uh, something that I, I always reminded me of, uh, one of my great mentors who also by the way, happens to be in Texas. Uh, Tom Biggs. And Tom Biggs always used to say, in fact, always does say, no one key fits every lock. And, uh, that is certainly true when it comes to implants. Only we've been having to try and force that same key into every lock for, for some time. So now it's nice to have some new options. Now, uh, how, you mentioned that there's been about 15 years of experience with these implants. Uh, since before the the founding of Sientra here in this country that there 's international experience with the implants uh, do you because currently the Sientra offerings are all i 'm sorry silicone filled isn 't that correct correct uh, is there any plan for saline devices from Sientra? Uh,
4: at this moment uh, we do not uh, we do not uh, see that as a strategic uh, direction for us
1: okay so your your wick is going to be that that thicker cohesive gel. Uh, you know, the highly cohesive gel implant, the, the nice, thick, firm gel, in in all the various shapes. And certainly, that's enough to handle because it's a big a big amount of offering. The these implants have been around long enough to where you have some sense for any rupture rates and how it compares to the other devices.
4: Sure. The, the 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 one thing to always remember, and this is the frustrating part for uh, entrepreneur like myself and Dr. Hamis, the fact that what is The history of these devices or these technologies outside the United States is what we look to as our future. They have had significant improvement and advancement in these various technologies. And for us, for a myriad of reasons in the United States, we have to go through processes that puts us behind. So these devices uh, have been available uh, outside the United States, Uh, particularly in our case, our device. In a similar sense as the other two manufacturers when they applied for the FDA approval, we all had to supplement our data from outside the United States at what they call supplemental safety data. So each device company had to go outside the United States and bring a reflection of what the experience has been. What we did is we decided to go uh, more extensive. The other two uh, manufacturers uh, went to Europe, uh, either visited one site or five sites and looked at the history of devices there. We decided to go to 41 different sites and coalesce through 140 patients, nearly 275 devices. And we looked at the mean uh, and the median in terms of implant duration and rupture. So when we look at uh, going out 15 years out, what we saw, a 7 rupture rate by implant, and these, by the way, were tested via MRI, so this is not just a physical exam. Each of these patients undergone an MRI testing to Mm -hmm. to check if there is a rupture, and so uh, the median of the device uh, age was 14.5 years, and the rupture rate is 7.7 by device, which is consistent with what we saw in our FDA clinical trial in the United States. Similar to what Dr. Hamas described, we all have to go through these preclinical and clinical studies that are the core for our approval. And our approval uh, was received this March. We had 1,788 patients in our study in the United States at 34 different sites. And we just released our five-year data, by the way. And overall rupture rate, for all 1,788, is 1.8% at five years. But we also gone through an MRI process, and we took 571 of those 1,788, and we forced the MRI testing diagnosis, so we're looking for problems, per se. And it's defined, how is the problem defined? It's defined that if there is a suspicion, if there is a misreading of the MRI, if there is anything that is suspected, so these are not necessarily confirmed rupture, but are rather suspected or indeterminate. Our our rate within that MRI cohort of 571 patients through five years at 3.7%. Said differently, that 96 to 97 out of 100 women had absolutely no question about the intactness of that device. Three to four out of 100, there are either suspected rupture or indeterminate readings. That's through still, you know, listen, those
1: numbers, those numbers will stand out to any scrutiny. And I think that seems to be what we're seeing really across the industry. Uh, as I've seen six year data. There are two different studies, 2006 and 2009, various uh, implants uh, studied through a course of about a six-year period, and it's been 1% to 1.5% in that range. It's certainly in line with what we're seeing throughout all modern implants. Uh, We're going to take a short break. We'll come back and and finish up our talk about uh, the Sientra new implants and uh, more about new offerings in breast implants and uh, some other topics related to breast implants and what the future may be. We're going to take a, a brief commercial break and be right back on New Reflections with more In with the new breast implants, that is.
0: Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness.
3: Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about do your homework my doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons my doctor is a fully board certified plastic surgeon my doctor is an md and on staff at several florida hospitals my doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university my doctor is adam rubenstein
1: People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry.
3: My doctor is Adam Rubenstein.
0: are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections.
1: Welcome back. We're having a great discussion. It's called In With The New. We're talking about breast implants here on New Reflections, and we're joined by Dr. Robert Hamus, a board-certified plastic surgeon in Dallas, Texas, and Hanny Ziney, founder and CEO of Cientra, a new company providing an exciting line of new implants. And we're just talking about the shaped implants and the thicker gel. Uh, it, all the advantages of the new Cientra implants. Let's talk about cost. Uh, what is it going to cost compared to the other silicone gel implants?
4: In in terms of our round devices, they are priced uh, uh, identical, if not uh, competitive, to the current uh, offering. In terms of our shaped uh, anatomical devices, uh, given the additional technological needs to create those devices and, and the different gel in them, their price uh, just a little bit higher than that. Uh, we, we decided to go with a pricing that is more competitive than what these devices are available outside the United States. So if you go to Canada and you look at what's available in Canada in terms of anatomically shaped devices, they are uh, they are they are about 13 to 14 hundred Canadian dollars. Our uh, anatomical shaped devices in the United states our price at $995 each.
1: All right, and that's really a pretty small difference when, you know, I always tell patients that uh, the implants are roughly about $1,000 each. In the fact, is yeah. they're a little bit less expensive than that uh, in terms of the silicone gel implants we've been using to today. So, you know, you're talking about maybe a difference of $100 to $200 um, between the latest and greatest and what we've been using all along. So it's not really too big a consequential change. And for those of you that are listening that want that nice firmer feel and an implant that's gonna have, uh, the more highly cohesive gel or the closer to what we used to call the gummy bear, this is, this is your implant to check out. Now, I wanna bring something up that both of, both of your companies are, uh, taking a stance on. And I think it's an important stance and I really wanna highlight this because we have a problem in Miami and really throughout the United States. And Dr. Hamas, I know in, in Dallas and Houston and in major markets all throughout Texas, you see this. And I mentioned this a little earlier. There are lots and lots of people who are putting breast implants in that probably shouldn't be. Now, the thing is, if they can't get the breast implants, then they can't put them in. And you have to wonder why device companies would be willing to sell to someone who's a family practitioner when clearly they don't have the same type of expertise as a board-certified plastic surgeon. Well, having looked at that, and and Dr. Hamas, you yourself being a a plastic surgeon, feeling probably very similar to the way I do and and all of our colleagues do, you've taken a stance, and both the Ideal Implant and Sientra will only sell to board-certified plastic surgeons. That's an important step. That both of your companies are taking and taking a very very important stance. And the truth is, uh, Mr. Zayn, I know that you have have talked a lot about this when you when you present about the company. It's a pretty small market share
4: outside of the board of certified plastic surgeons, anyway, isn't it? Uh, we, we nobody reports accurate exact data, but we can back into it in different ways, and it really ranges from about eight ten percent to twelve fifteen percent. So it might be you know small comparatively to the large united states but for companies like uh Sientra or ideal it's a it's a financially challenging decision because you're entering the market and you're saying from the get go i'm going to wipe out 10 12 15% of my potential customers
1: yeah no it's a big sacrifice and one that that i feel uh, really speaks a lot to the ethics and the, the standards that, that your companies are both trying to set. And I appreciate the sacrifice that, that you both make in taking this stance, but I think it's an important stance to make. You know, there have been some disaster cases. Uh, people that have really been maimed and, and hurt. I and mean, I had a case in my office that I spoke about on this show. We did a show on uh, disaster cases. A young girl who, because of, complications of her breast augmentation done by someone who's not even uh, trained fully in any specialty, uh, and in fact wasn't trained in this country in any specialty, let alone any other country to be fully trained, basically maimed this woman while doing a a breast augmentation uh, to the point where her about about two-thirds to three-quarters of both nipple areolar complexes were replaced with scar tissue. And, you know, we see this stuff going on all the time. There's a, a couple of well-known cases in Miami. One was a, a pretty high-profile woman that came that that died having a, a breast augmentation done. And there was an, another <laughs> – this is crazy. There was one of a, of a man that had uh, – he came for pec implants, and this knucklehead of a surgeon put breast implants in instead – and, you know, a lot of this is going on, and you have to be very, very careful. Also, you have to be aware that really only devices that are FDA-approved should be used in the United States, and there's people getting their hands on foreign material. We're all familiar with what happened with the PIP implant tragedy. Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of women worldwide with tainted silicone-filled breast implants. I and mean, this is a disaster. So I think you should be applauded, both of you, for taking the stance that you're only going to sell to what I believe to be, and I'm sure that that you and your companies agree, are the most highly qualified choices for breast augmentation, and that is, of course, a board-certified plastic surgeon. This is a big step that both of you have taken.
4: Appreciate the acknowledgement, Adam. It is is very important for for us. Uh, We have been unwavering in our commitment to the profession of plastic surgeons as well as to better patient outcomes and safety. As I mentioned earlier for, for Bob and I, it's a challenging financial decision, but it is the right decision and the ethical decision. Our view is we cannot be policing who can deliver and who cannot deliver. So what we look for, we look for standards, we look for metrics, we look for things that you can measure. Centra's policy is very simple. If you are a surgeon that have completed an A C G M E certified or qualified residency program, in plastic surgery, then you are eligible to be board certified or you are board certified in plastic surgery, and we will have our devices in your hands. This is the only way that we know today in the United States that we can deliver a predictable outcome based on skill, education, and experience, that the patient can be guaranteed reproducible, quality, safe results. So that's what we focus on. We go an extra step purely, purely Adam, because of those three cases that you talked about in Florida and similar cases, especially the case in Florida where the woman unfortunately died. We go the extra step in our warranty to highlight that if for however reason our device get into the hands of the wrong surgeon, because that was the case in Miami where a doctor resold the device. What we do in our warranty, we tell the patient and we tell you, the surgeon, that if this device is not implanted by a board-certified or board-eligible plastic surgeon, the warranty is voided. It will not be honored. We go the extra step because it's the right thing and the ethical thing to do.
1: Well, I think the, you know, the result of that is that both of your companies really should be applauded for helping further the safety factor here uh, and taking taking a stance that I think is all too often overlooked in the name of cheaper price. Uh, so, you know, I, I thank you. I know our societies and, and my, all my colleagues throughout the country thank you for taking that stance and helping patients stay safe with this procedure. Now we're coming to the end of the show. I want to give you guys both the chance to tell us. You know, we've talked about a lot, and these are both exciting offerings from both of your companies. Uh, Dr. Hamas, tell me, if someone hears the show and they say, wow, that, that sounds really neat, I'm not really comfortable with silicone implants, I like the idea of a, sil- of a saline-filled implant, and this thing sounds great, how do I find someone to put in the Ideal Implant?
2: Well, at this point, since we're not yet FDA-approved, uh, they're going to have to wait a while. Uh, maybe um, they could follow us on our website, IdealImplant.com, and um, learn about the company and about the product more and uh, keep uh, checking to see when approval does come. And, of course, we'll let everyone know at that time.
1: Well, I'm sure, and we're looking forward to it, and I'm certain that with the diligence that that you've put into it and all the effort of the, the countless surgeons around the country that have contributed, it's just a matter of time before the FDA gives you the thumbs up and we have a new product that we can offer patients to help make them more satisfied with saline implants. And uh, Mr. Zaini, how does someone find a, a doctor to help them getting these brand new, highly cohesive Sientra implants?
4: Well, our philosophy has been if you are board certified, then you're qualified to, uh, to have access to the Sientra devices. Uh, I believe that if, if either a patient or a physician is looking to have new options and new choices and an advanced technology of devices that are high strength, that are anatomically shaped, that are uh, different in terms of its offering, then just if you're a patient, go ask your plastic surgeon about it. If you're a surgeon, you know, call us, uh, Cientra.com, email us, we're available. And we're committed to this space, we're committed to this specialty, we're committed to the outcome of the patient in a safe manner, and our devices reflect that, and we are here to serve, and it will be a privilege for us to earn that business and serve your needs. Well, I want to thank you both for being on the show. You've been excellent guests. This is great
1: stuff, and I can't wait to get more experience with CENTRA and finally get my hands on some ideal implants and uh, help patients feel better with saline-filled devices. Thank you both for taking your time and sharing all of this great information with us. If you're a regular listener of the show, I want to tell you to join us next week. We've got lots of great stuff coming up. We've got shows coming up talking about plastic surgery websites. Where can you get the best information? We'll be talking about necklace and new ways to do necklace without big incisions. We'll have stem cell uh, technology coming on the show, breast revision surgery, chiropractics, all sorts of topics. Week to week, join us every week, 12 to 1 Eastern Time, 9 to 10 Pacific. The Voice American Network, this is New Reflections. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.
0: We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend.